Welcome to the John of All Trades Podcast, episode 256. I'm your host, John X. Thank you for joining us. Glad to have you back once again. And here we are. It's been a couple of weeks. I've missed you. How are you? Are you doing well? Are you staying sane? Are you staying healthy? Are you staying safe? Are you washing your damn hands? Are you wearing your freaking mask? Seriously, I'm generally not someone who likes to tell people what to do, but for the love of God, take care of us all. When you go outside, wear your freaking mask, okay? It's really not that hard. And you know what? Let's say it doesn't work. Let's say it has 0% effectiveness. You had to wear a piece of cloth in front of your face for like a half hour at the grocery store, okay? Just do it, please. Now, with that out of the way, it has been a couple of weeks. And the reason for that is I'm a professional podcast producer. And I got wrapped up in other shows. Had a number of production needs kind of all happen at once. So had to rearrange some priorities. Had to take care of those right away. And I missed doing this show. Which I realized was making me grumpy. Because this show makes me happy. It brings me joy. The conversations I have with these people I adore, I admire, and I just plain enjoy listening to help keep me going in a very challenging world. That's not to say I don't love producing the other shows. I do. And I want to produce yours. We'll get to that in a minute. But getting to be in charge of your own program where you set the rules, you set the agenda, you talk to the people you want to talk to is immensely fulfilling. So if you are thinking about doing a podcast yourself, if you are thinking about doing it for your organization, for your company, for your nonprofit, whatever it is, hit me up. I'd love to help you produce it. And that's what Deft Communications does. That's the production company that runs this show. It's my company, D-E-F-T-C-O-M dot U-S. You can hit me up on email. It's J-O-N at D-E-F-T-C-O-M dot us so john at deftcom dot us i can help you concept the show i can help you get it dialed in i'll help you with the production elements i will help guide you to make your vision the best version of itself that it possibly can be it's my favorite thing i get to do professionally and why not plug it here because i've missed the last couple of weeks and that's why i know it's challenging times for us all but having a creative outlet is something that will really help keep you going I can help you do it. Hit me up. Deft Communications. D-E-F-T-C-O-M dot U-S. John, J-O-N, at deftcom dot U-S. Now then, I'm not going to miss a show here for a while because I've already got three episodes in the can, including this one. Number 256 is with Nick Gossert. Nick Gossert's been on the show before. He is the creator and head booker man of Lucha Libre and Laughs. And Lucha Libre and Laughs is one of my favorite things that exists in this entire stinking city. It's great comedy, and it's fantastic pro wrestling. And one of the reasons for that is Nick has curated an unbelievable vibe here, where it's not just a bunch of wrestling neckbeard fans. It's not a bunch of freaks and weirdos and geeks, although they are there. And believe me, those are my people. But too much of any one thing is no good. It's a lot of people there having a great time. And we talk about how he created that. We talk about how, thank God, it is coming back in a couple of weeks. That's right. They're running live shows. How does he do that? We talk about safety protocols. We talk about how you get people together to enjoy this fantastic spectacle in a safe way where people aren't getting sick. Where you're not seeing morons in like Texas and Arizona and Florida and wherever else cramming into bars, 150 people, you know, no social distancing, no masks, no nothing like that. No, the Oriental Theater is taking a lot of precautions to make sure everyone's safe and everyone's having a good time. And Nick is being very conscientious about the way he's creating this. There are four shows over two days. Each one of them is going to be different. It's remarkable. And one thing that stands out, I don't get to talk to Nick face-to-face -face all that often. But when I do, I love our chats because we have kind of a similar sensibility, similar view of the world. And he is probably one of the only dudes around, at least in my social circle, who can talk circles around me when it comes to wrestling. And at one point during this episode, he says, I'm going to sound like a name-dropping piece of shit here. And then, sure enough, he is a name-dropper, far from a piece of shit. But the stories are fantastic. And it centers around why he hates light tubes as a wrestling trope. If you've seen any hardcore wrestling, any sort of deathmatch-style wrestling, sometimes light tubes, and yes, I'm talking about fluorescent light tubes like that you see in your office, 
Those get used as weapons, and he tells this really gruesome story about a show he was at where it went terribly, terribly wrong. It's not my favorite style of wrestling, but far be it from me to begrudge people who actually enjoy that. If it can be done in a safe and sanitary way, great. Light tubes, pretty terrible. We talk about comedy wrestling. We talk about the WWE. We talk about AEW. There's a lot going on here. It's a lot of fun. And if I'm talking pro wrestling and I'm talking comedy, I am a happy dude, and I hope you are too. Whether you are a dude or a dudette or a dude non-binary. Whatever your flavor is, I'm cool with it. Now, one other note here before we get going. Zoom was not being a friend on this one, and so there are some technical difficulties that I did my best to edit around. You'll notice it a couple of times where the internet's going in and out, but I think I stitched it together pretty well with a minimum of disturbance. Like I said, professional podcast producer, I'm doing my best. Be sure to hit up the John of All Trades companion blog piece. That's J-O-N of all trades.us. For all the links, there's a ton of them to Nick's promotion, Lucha Libre and Laughs. Also to its sister promotion, Respect Women's Wrestling. Both fabulous products. Nick's a great dude, a terrific business owner, and a dynamite promoter. So be sure to get on the socials and follow all of the things there. That's in the show notes. So if you're listening on iTunes, Stitcher, or anywhere else, you'll find it there or on the companion blog piece, johnofalltrades.us. Now then, enough talk from me. Let's get to this week's chat. Episode 256 features Nick Gossard, creator and head booker man of Lucha Libre and Laughs, and his episode starts right now. It's been enough of a turnoff for me that I haven't really been watching it because it just... It feels so weird. Yeah, it's uh, it's tough to watch. Um, I, I agree with you 100% on that. My, my viewing is down quite a bit, and I will say, for whatever it's worth, I think AEW is doing a pretty good job keeping the stories moving, though. They are. Um, yeah, it's just like the whole aesthetic of it. Also, um, yeah, we, since we had to cancel our March 13th uh, Lucha Libre and Laugh show, I... You know, like it, it was like a month before I even watched any wrestling because it just kind of hurt a little too much just to see uh, all yeah. these dates get canceled. Because you know, it was like we knew as soon as that one got canceled, our six year anniversary was gone. Most likely, our June show was gone. You know, all these things. So it's like yeah. wrestling kind of hurt my feelings for a bit. And then I caught up on all like you know on NXT. Mm-hmm. And then when I got to the point where it was empty arena stuff, and it was just oh, the energy on this is just so weird. It's eerie, man. It's like it's like watching wrestling in an abandoned strip mall. Yeah, it, 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 it takes away, like when it, it, especially since the production doesn't know how to adjust the, um, the visual um, aspect of it. The absence of humans in that type of shooting format makes it feel, not the feeling of watching like a cinematic you know, martial arts fights. Right. You're, it makes you feel like you're in a bad indie show that no one else shows. <laughs> eight people and like, you know, a popcorn vendor in the, in attendance. Yeah. No joke. The, which brings me to another question. Like we we're seeing kind of the rise of cinematic wrestling, which I certainly have mixed feelings about some of it. I really, really enjoyed. And some of it I found near unwatchable. Your thoughts on kind of the evolution of the style. I don't like it. For the most part, Lucha Underground did a great job with some, oh, totally. with some of the stuff, but that's because those were people from a, you know, like kind of like an exploitation action movie background. It's the whole vibe of it. it. It really like, you know, they knew how to do it right. They knew how to make it connect to the rest of the rest. Right. And you, and you could tell like they were connecting to a larger story. So it was in service of like this sort of overarching narrative and aesthetic. Whereas some of the stuff going on now, it's like they're doing it because they have to. Yeah, and and a lot of it, it's fun-ish, but not the ways they probably want it to be. Because a lot of it feels like cutscenes to a bad WWE licensed video game, right? Where, where it's, it's, it's like it's like the same level of setups for like Def Jam uh, fighting game or like the Wu Tang Clan fighting game. Totally. Where it's like, this isn't the context it's supposed to be in. I can see what you're trying to do here, but. You're not quite pulling it off. You know what? You won't slag the Def Jam games in front of me, though. Those are some of my favorite wrestling games of all oh, time. Absolutely. But, you know, they're not trying to present it as anything but that kind of ridiculous, you know, ridiculousness. Totally. And it's, wrestling's, you know, it's ridiculous enough already. So when you layer on, like, an added level of, 
unself-aware ridiculousness. Yeah. Once again, tying it back to Lucha Underground, those guys at least were like, we know what we are. Mm-hmm. You know, we're we're fighting for some sort of weird apocalyptic fate where, you know, we're, it's, it was, so it's like, you can get into that very easily, but when you're presenting it as a theoretic sport, it's just strange. Yeah. It's like if it's, it's like if baseball did a, an, not just an empty uh, stadium or stadium show, they did like in a junkyard where some. <laughs> <laughs> right. The the thing I love about Lucha Underground is it it's it feels like a cousin to Mortal Kombat. Yes. Where like okay, we're going to go have this big tournament on some strange sorcerer's island. You know, you you kind of accept that as your reality and then you can suspend disbelief easier whereas like for instance, not to pick on it, but the Money in the Bank ladder match, it's like okay, they're fighting through all the levels of WWE headquarters for what? And then Doink the Clown is there for some reason. And brother love is there for some reason, and you're going, okay, like we're 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 just we're throwing a bunch of shit at the wall and seeing what sticks. And then just like yeah, the general tone, it very much to the uh, cinematic aspect of Lucha Underground versus what WWE has been trying. It's to understand it as the Mortal Kombat versus Street Fighter Two aesthetic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's really really well stated. Uh, so obviously, uh, since we're talking this level of nerdery, this has got to be Nick Gossert returning to my show. And the reason I reached out to you is because Lucha Libre and Laughs coming back in a couple of weeks. I could not be more excited. Congratulations. Yeah, it's, it's happening. We're after all this, we're able to, you know, put on, we're, we're, it's not going to be what it was. You know, we are working with distancing rules and venues. Um, we, you know, safety first. Uh, mm-hmm. Which is a weird thing to think. You know, we're, we're able to do shows on Friday and Saturday, July 17th and 18th. At the moment, only 50 people can attend per show, so it's it's going to be it's going to be intimate, though spread out. Yeah, I uh, well, and I I bought my tickets for the 7 p.m. Friday show. Um, are all these shows like? Is it is it uh, like be the worst one too? Uh. <laughs> well, great. Um, it's better than uh, than what I've been getting thus far, which is nothing. So as long as it's better than nothing, even if it's nothing but Cody Devine there just blowing vape at me, that could be marginally better than nothing. <laughs> um, but uh, with that said, are all the shows different from each other, or is it like when when a stand up does multiple sets in a night, like you kind of you, you just pay a ticket and you go see the show, or are they different? Every single one's different. Um, we're, you know, trying to make sure that because some people have wrestling since January thirteenth uh, or twelfth. I don't even. When did I even have it? Uh, but yeah, it's like some people are literally not being able, like who are huge wrestling fans. I knew, uh, as soon as we announced that we were doing four shows, you know, two shows a night, making them just a little bit shorter than the normal shows, you know, where it's going to be four matches and two comics. And I knew people would probably, some, there were going to be enough people that would want to watch all four shows. Sure. So every single one, different, different lineups, different comics, just, you know, so the, if, for the people who are going to all four, they will not see a, re, a repeat. Nice. Okay. That's, I mean, that's big. And I mean, it, it speaks to sort of having to be nimble here in this environment because obviously the Oriental holds what, like 500, 700 people, something like that? Uh, for seating, 550. 550. Um, so. So yeah, so it's like we're you know, literally brand laughs is almost always sell, almost always sells out. So we're used to going out there in front of five hundred and fifty people, and now we're sitting at yeah, yeah, about ten percent that. Yeah. So you know, it's it's going to be an interesting it's going to be an interesting experiment. It's going to be fun. You know, the audience, the people who are going to be there are going to be real excited to see it. The performers are you know the wrestlers in the comics they're going to be real excited to be there. So you know, it's one of those things where you know it's it's not ideal. Yeah. By any stretch of the imagination. Once again, it's better than sitting home. It's better than being sad that we're not uh, doing something. So we do a small event. You know what? So long as everybody everything goes well, we can keep uh, keep doing it. Yeah, for sure. And one thing I like about you, because we're friends on social media, is you're not afraid to call out some of the bullshit that you see from other promoters and other parts of the country. And there have been... I mean, there have been shows from kind of low-rent promotions across the country, even during lockdown. Is that right? I, well, there were some. I don't know how many actually happened because we kept, you know, we see these people who are trying to run shows, you know, in the middle of May, like when right. these were 
on fire. And like, I know a lot of them didn't end up happening because they post their horrific, you know, Microsoft paint poster <laughs> and be like, all right, well, you know, we're having ourselves up the show and like, everybody would dogpile on them. Um, I know there was a, you know, some dirt league, uh, go down Southern Colorado that was going to run the end of May. And I think the, I think the, it was like the city, you're not going to do that or you don't get to be a business anymore. Right. Yeah. So I know, I know like the social pressure <laughs> shut down a lot of these. I know that venues pulled the plug on a lot of these wrestlers didn't want to show up to these things. So, you know, and it's one of those things where you, you would think that people would, you know, read the room a little, I guess is the way to put it across society where it's like, oh, are shows doing things? Is PWG running? No. Is uh, First Wrestling running? No. Is, uh, you know, GCW, which actually GCW just had a show. Uh, but it's like, if the bigger guys aren't doing anything, just wait it out. Yeah, you know, just this is you. this is not your time to slide in. This this is not an opening the way that you might perceive it to be. Exactly. Yeah. It's um, yeah. They just, I think they, some of them just thought, oh man, you know, no one else shine. It's like no, this isn't some scrappy underdog ending. Get to play the arena show because the headlining band was kidnapped by ninjas. I don't know. <laughs> I watch weird movies. Oh, um, <laughs> and. I'd like to see that one. Which one is that? <laughs> one I'm going to make. <laughs> but yeah, it's like, there's, there's one making by people where it's like, guys, just, you know, this isn't your opportunity. Just, just right. wait. No one's high from not being at a wrestling show. True. So just deep breaths, not deep breaths in public. And we're in <laughs> but there, there were some dummies trying to do dumb things. And I don't think too many of them actually came off. Okay. So I guess my question is, how did you know it was the right time? And what kind of steps were you, are you taking or are you able to take? Because I mean, wrestling, very physical, very, like you've got a lot of people uh, in proximity to one another. You know, how, how are you keeping the talent safe? How are you keeping the, the people who work behind the scenes safe? How are you working to keep the crowd safe? We, we, one thing we did is we're no longer insisting that everybody spit in everyone else's mouths. That's, that's wise. So that was a big time at the Triple L where we'd line up the entire audience and staff and performers and kind of do the little league, you know, good game handshake line, but just mouth spitting. Yeah. And well, you know, that'll be tough to give up. It was. It's a lot of emotional attachment. Uh, but yeah, a lot of it comes down to is just how we prepared the venue because there's been rumors swirling about the different stages or different ways that um, live entertainment could and would and might come back. So we had a stack of, you know, contingency plans for, oh, if they say it's this way, we got to do it this way. If we do it this way, we do it this way. So we've been at the theater, um, the Oriental Theater, setting up different types of seats. So it's like, oh, if it's, you know, 40 people with eight feet distance, this is how we do it. And then we have, uh, if they come in a group, we can do them over here. And then making sure everything's spread out and making sure there's hand sanitizer stations. And uh, we keep, you know, there'll be no seating on the dance floor to keep performers like 30 feet away from the audience at a minimum, uh, you know, like Sam and Nathan, uh, our commentary team, they're going to be, we're going to give them the Statler and Waldorf treatment. They get a, they're going to be calling the action from up in the balcony because we don't have enough people attending the show to open that thing up. You know, so it's just space and sanitation. The two, two important things that Americans have been bad at. Uh, <laughs> yes. But, you know, I, I mean, is there, is there any like concern about like, I don't know when I bought my ticket, was there like a liability waiver or like anything like that? Are you guys worried about that kind of thing? That's a ticketing question for the venue, not for me. There's, there's now, you know, in society, we have an inherent risk. Um, by and large, or, you know, because that is common knowledge. Yeah, you know, it's kind of hard to put anything as a, uh, as, as far as like laying low on the bars or things like that. Cause it's just a situation where so long as, the venue does everything they can and the people do everything they can to take care of themselves and other people. Right. Everything's fine. It's just when, I mean, we, we kind of all see the little horror stories where it's like you walk past a, a bar and crap about anything. Right. They've got 150 people packed in there, no masks. Everybody's drunk and talking loud. Guys, if everything goes wrong, it's it's your fault. Yeah, right. <laughs> like, this is how it's happening. You know, meanwhile, you know, there's places like us where we're like, okay, we follow the rules to a T, and this is we can kind of get back to limited business. And we had 
had kind of an open house, had a band playing um, last Friday, and people followed the rules. You know, you just have to say, like, okay, guys, welcome. Um, you know, make sure you have your mask on until you get to your area. Uh, no countermingling. Make sure, you know, it's hand-washed situ- you know, stations everywhere. And so long as you have parameters, you know, you can have a lot of fun in those parameters. We proved that on Friday. And, uh, yeah, and like I said, so long as we're, nobody's being pronounced fun. Well, and, I mean, the thing is, like, we have a very litigious society, which is why I ask you that. And I know that was some of the concern. At least initially, I think some of that has subsided because you're right. There is inherent risk in in just going out. There's inherent risk getting in your car. There's inherent risk in getting out of bed. There's inherent risk in not getting out of bed. You know, like everything that you do, there is something to it. But given that this is sort of uh, unprecedented, at least in our lifetimes, uh, I was just wondering how much concern there was around that for you all. Yeah, it, not really, because like no insu- like insurance for most events, like what like what you're seeing from insurance companies lately is it's about the cancellations. Oh, uh, sure, yeah, yeah, because we have one toe in the door as far as live entertainment and going out is concerned, and you know a lot of insurance. That's why you, we're not seeing you know big tours. I mean, granted, you know the the big crowds aren't allowed, but the insurance for tours and events like that are it's all about. Oh, the high level of cancellation risk is making premiums go through the roof. Um, as far as anything else, not really an issue, and I don't see that being an issue legally because it's hard to set a prep on a virus you know, lawsuit. I guess is the way to put it, where it's like I got the flu from a guy on the bus. I don't get to sue RTD. Right. I, I mean, I'm sure someone would, if if they could put it together, would try. But that you know, that doesn't mean it's going to be successful. Oh yeah. It's funny and I was I was so happy to see you guys come back because you had your anniversary during the pandemic and on your social media all the talent and like people who've been comics with you, people who have wrestled for you, referees, um people who work behind the scenes all wrote tributes to Lucha Libre and Laughs. And by every account, I mean it seems like a really really great place to work and and get together with people. And I know from an audience perspective, it's some of the most fun you can have. And I I want to ask this question with with two minor setups. One is I watched the documentary on Fat Records, one of the most iconic punk labels, you know, run by Fat Mike of No Effects. And some of the bands there were like this is the only label that's ever paid me. And yeah. <laughs> and I thought that's really an indictment of this terrible business that these people find themselves in. But I remember the first time we talked, you mentioned something kind of similar in that you're upfront with your talent in terms of, Hey, here's what you can expect to get paid. And then you follow through on that. What do you think has contributed to the incredible vibe of Lucha Libre and laughs? And and how do you build something successful like that? It's funny because I see, I get, I hear this a lot from, you know, the bigger stars to uh, town and they come to my shows, and the first time they're like, "This isn't this. Who are these people? <laughs> you know, five hundred fifty people in there, and it's not, you know, f- you know, it's not four hundred, you know, neckbeards. You know, neckbeards and bullet club shirts. You know, it's not, <laughs> you know, it's it's. You'll look out in the crowd, you'll see, oh, there's wrestling fans, and then the rest of it, it's just, you know, party nightlife people. Yeah, it's just and people like on dates so- and having fun with friends. Yeah, like we'll see. Oh, you look out in the crowd and be like, oh, there you can tell those are the wrestling fans. There's just like a couple on a date. There's a bunch of girls that got dressed up for a girls' night out and they came here for <laughs> some reason. Um, and I think that's, you know, the the vibe that we, you know, tried to create. And I think it's the vibe that actually does better as far as drawing people in. Because if you just go, hey, it's pro wrestling, the pro wrestling people are going to go, hey, that's cool. But how many people, live in that hardcore bubble. Um, Meanwhile, yeah. Meanwhile, if you're just going, Hey man, we're having a crazy party and wrestling and there's this, you come come get weird. And you know, that creates a better word of mouth because people, you can go to triple L and having, and I, I see this almost every single show. You'll see the people who have never seen wrestling before in their life. They might've seen like a little WWE. Yeah. Like Hulk Hogan or something. Yeah. People who are like, they don't watch wrestling but they come in triple L and I, I just love watching the way they're like, you see behind their eyes as their brains are just trying to process what's even happening. And they're like, and then by the second match, they're like, yeah, boo. Because yeah. wrestling is fun. You know, when it's, it's melodrama, man, it's, yeah, it's, 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 it's playing to the back row. 
Um, yeah, it's- I, I, sorry to interrupt you. I think David Shoemaker described it as the contemporary version of theater in the round during Shakespeare's time where they're wearing big wooden masks, right? I, I mean, essentially, you, you are playing to the entire arena, and everyone kind of gets what's happening, even if they don't fully, like, get all the nuance. Yeah, because that's, you know, when it comes down to it, it's comic book. You know, it's a science production value and, uh, you know, and costuming a little. You know, what's the difference between uh, Battle Royal and Captain America Civil War? That's a great point. I mean, it's Joseph Campbell's hero's journey. Uh, you know, essentially, I was there the night that Anaya won the title. And, you know, he gets jumped beforehand. He's got this contract. And it's like, oh, is he going to make it to the main event? Like, you understand what's happening with minimal setup. Like, there's there's no need to overcomplicate it. And then he wins. And you're excited. And this is maybe the first time you've ever seen Anaya. Right. But all of a sudden you go, man, I can get on board with what's happening with that guy immediately. Yeah. And I'm not really one for, as you know, it's like with the Oriental theater shows, we run, you know, seven, eight a year. Uh, then we do our mini shows and our festivals. At least we usually do. Uh, <laughs> but, but all, like, all things you know, being equal. Sure. Yeah. But it's like, it's been fun because one thing I've been doing during our um, downtime the last few months is I've been able to go through and edit and post years worth of loosely ran last matches and it was very fun to watch you know as i'm going through this i don't you know with the like you know setup and the hero's journey is watching essentially the anaya arc over the course of a year over over a year and a half where you know him and uh, hoodie were tag team partners hoodie moved away so we had to do something so he went to a uh, a multi-band match and had to in order to get a number one contender spot we had to give up the tag team title for, you know what he won in order to get the title shot and then he was you know beat in a triple throne team lee and mike seidel and then hoodie comes back and attacks him for abandoning their uh, their titles and then they have a match and then they have their reconciliation and then he builds himself back up and he gets a title shot against seidel and they have a, a big match absolutely killer thing and then Caleb Crush packed in his Rubik's Cube of, uh, of Destiny because the show is stupid. And, you know, <laughs> Caleb wins the title out from under him. And then those two had their feud for, you know, for six months. And Taya was going to be in that match. But then Caleb Crush attacked him and hurt his shoulder. And he limps his way to the ring in the main event and pulls it off and wins the title. And it's this huge moment. Kind of interesting to see how that played out over the course of 13 months. Yeah, dude, that's crazy. And uh, I found recently um, with my so my favorite action figures of all time were the WWF Hasbro four inch figures. Yeah. Um, and so what I started doing when I was this makes me such a cool teenager. But when I was a teenager, I I started like making cards and then the cards weren't enough. I wanted to write them down mostly because I wanted to draw the logos and I wanted to see like what guys looked like, you know, fighting next to each other. But from there, then I started writing storylines in between them. And I found those notebooks. I'm like, this was a questionable booking decision I made about the British Bulldog. That's odd. And I'm going, who am I? Like, what am I doing? But the fact that you actually get to do that in real life without knowing it, I mean, you're you're living out what I wanted to do when I was kind of a teenager. And that's just so cool. (laughs) And you're doing it with real people and getting actual buy-in from real humans. (laughs) Yeah, I don't get it either. It's, uh, it shouldn't be happening. It shouldn't be happening. It shouldn't be allowed. Uh, something more to be uh, doing this instead of me, but unfortunately, uh, I'm all I've got. Well, you know what? My show's called John of All Trades, so we're very similar vibe there. <laughs> I guess my question is: It's funny. Like some of the bigger names come to town, and I know right before she signed to WWE, Shotzi Blackheart was on uh, was on one of the Triple L cards, and the comment is: Who are these people? And You'll read, if you read anything on wrestling internet, which I don't terribly recommend, you'll, you'll hear people lament, like, where are the casual fans? How do they bring casual fans back? It's something that WWE concerns itself with extensively, yet you've cultivated that in a microcosm here in Denver. Do you have any sort of, like, armchair quarterback analysis or Monday morning quarterback analysis of the larger promotions and how they grow an audience on a national scale, or is that kind of above your pay grade? Um, it's, it's one of those things I think about not steadily because I'm, once again, I'm so consumed with the, uh, the micro level with like, okay, fine. how do I sell 500 tickets again? Oh God. <laughs> uh, but, you know, pretty much if, like if I was going to look at, you know, 
WWE. Like, I think the one thing they've just done is they've just oversaturated their own market. And that's that, you know, there's no, like, like you think about just the sheer, what is that like, you know, three, six, eight, you know, it's like, yeah, you know, there's, there's like, just on TV, there's what's, what's that, like eight hours of TV a week? There's seven hours of content. <laughs> Of, of in-ring content between Raw, SmackDown, and NXT. That's, that's seven hours a week. That's a lot to ask of anyone. Yeah, I, it's like, you know, when they talk about, hey, hey, remember when I wars and a bajillion people were watching it? That was two hours, you know, that started out two hours Raw versus Nitro on Mondays. Yeah. And things didn't start falling apart until they started expanding to three hours. And, you know, you, you, can, you can get a lot of people for two hours, but not many people for seven and a half. No. It, and when you have your own over-the-top network that has its own content that, that I'm looking at, there was a great uh, episode of Photo Shoot with Ron Simmons just recently. And so, like, I got to watch that. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, okay, would I rather watch Ron Simmons talk about his career or do I need more Baron Corbin in my life? And I'm like, I kind of want to watch Ron Simmons talk about his career because, again, that's like a half hour. And like, that's something that I can't always get, you know what I mean? So there's, there's, there's like a, you're right. I think it's almost too much access. It's too much saturation where you go, well, I can really afford to miss this because, you know, you're getting the same guys every single week. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, it's like somebody was, I can't remember the exact numbers, but they were talking about how, you know, Daniel Bryan did this amount of matches in two years on WWE. And that was the same number as Steve Austin had done in his entire career. Oh my God. Okay. Because once again, there's just, there's too much. Yeah. Um, I have some issues with the way they produce things. Big, you know, everything's judgmental, everything's subjective. But like one thing AEW is very good at right now is just limiting the content. Yes. And, yeah, and, and rotating some of the guys in and out. Like right now, best friends are challenging for the tag titles and best friends were off TV for like a while, you know, and yeah. now like SCU has cycled off TV. They're kind of on dark now. And so it's like, oh, yeah, I kind of miss SCU. Like and I, I didn't think that when they were champions. But now that they're gone, I'm like, oh, I'd kind of like to see them come back. So maybe they'll cycle back in at some point. It's it's a it's it's two hours two hours a week. It's not a huge commitment. You watch you, you can be excited about two hours. You watch your two hours see who shows up you have the supplemental like oh if i want a little more i can watch dark on youtube and see who popped up there yeah but it's scarce enough that it still builds excitement and anticipation as opposed to wwe where it's omnipresent like it's just it's it's just there it's it's like the sun yeah it's it's like it's like it's like the wrestling monolith on the hill where (laughs) at any given juncture you can watch all the wwe you want yeah and and that's hard to even, you know, like NXT, like the only one I really watch anymore is NXT. And that's just because I, I have a lot of friends there now. And, sure. and it's like, you know, and, and even they sometimes struggle with that hour, with that, uh, you know, two hour cap. Oh, agreed. And uh, you know what? My favorite, one of my favorite eras of wrestling was NXT one hour on the network that I loved that so much just because I looked forward to it every single week and I never wanted to miss it. And I remember I was on the Montez Ford train really, really early. I loved watching them so much. And then they come to Raw and they're on all the time. I go, how am I burned out on someone as electric as Montez Ford and someone as killer with presence as Angelo Dawkins? Like, how does that happen? Because I could, it, it felt like I couldn't get enough of them in NXT. And then they come to Raw and I go, wow, okay, I have gotten enough of them for a little while. And, like, you know, and I, I loved the same era of NXT more before... You could definitely tell when there was more kind of Vince level interest in NXT because NXT used to be one hour and it'd just be like banger match, banger match, banger match, banger match, boom, 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 boom. Hours over. Holy crap, that was an amazing that hour. was phenomenal. Yeah. And then you could tell there was more interest from upstairs because then there's more, you know, back scene promos and, you know, like the little, the little things that were, you know, become space. So then instead of it being five awesome matches in an hour, well, now it's four. And then, no. oh, it's the episode before, um, Take before over. TakeOver. You're getting like one match. You know, it's, it's, it, it really kind of fell into the formula uh, that it, a lot of people don't like about Raw and SmackDown because it, 
it just it, it tries to be more of a TV show than watching an hour of Awesome Run. Right. And then it expands on on TV, and it does once again become you know more promo, more for this as opposed to the boom, 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 boom matches. And I'm not a penis, and I'm not opposed to you know that there, but it's like it definitely it it changes the DNA of the product to the point that the the entire vibe's different. The match styles are the same, but it's just the flow of the content is completely different. No, no. <clears throat> Agreed 100%. And it's interesting, you, you mentioned that you have a lot of friends there now, and I, I think we would be derelict if we didn't at least talk about this, but there's the speaking out movement going on right now, and there's a lot of really, really sad and unfortunate news coming out with people that I've watched and people that I've liked turned out to have behaved terribly, uh, behaved very inappropriately, and people are now speaking out about that. When you first started hearing about this, because I, I know you know some of these people and you've had some of the folks on Lucha Libre and Laughs, and you know I'm not going to ask you to comment on anyone specifically just because I, I think that is unfair to you. But in general, what was your reaction when you started hearing about some of this? You know, How does that change the way you book going forward if it does? Um, when I started hearing it, it was that combination of I am not surprised – but I'm still horrified and disappointed generally across the board because, you know, there, there really has been, you know, particularly like what you see out of the eighties in pro wrestling, there was a lot of, I guess, misogyny just built in this work where, you know, the guys would be like, Oh, we're driving up the road and I got a secret family in this town and I got this raptor and we're going to pick up a girl. It's like, there was just that, creepy power dynamic of male wrestlers treating the women in the audiences. I'm going (laughs) to, you just, just being, being fucking gross. Well, and and, and if you saw beyond the mat, listening to Jake, the snake describe life on the road. And I mean, beyond the mat came out 21 years ago, 20, yeah, 21 years ago, something like that. And you go, my God, that is just disgusting. Listening to him talk about sort of his sexual appetite and like his practices. And you go, Ugh. So, yeah, I mean, I'm kind of with you. I'm not surprised, although from what I hear about wrestling, at least at the highest levels, a lot of guys seem to be playing video games in the locker room now. Yeah, there has, like, that's the one thing over the years, like, politically-wise and socially-wise, like, wrestling has been slowly been pried away from the uh, the ship act, where, you know, now the wrestlers aren't, you know, gross predator dudes who, you know, like, oh, after the this. Uh, they're just like, oh man, I'm tired because I'm a showbiz professional. I'm gonna go, you know, or sleep because I'm doing this again tomorrow. And you know, and it just also just on the partying level, like drugs and alcohol. It's like we see what happened to all those, you know, '70s and '80s burnouts. So it's like it really takes the shine off of that. But you know, it's not even just the the guys. I mean, all the stuff that came out about uh, Mula. Oh uh, God, and how, horrifying! And how can, yeah, it's horrifying. Because, you know, it's not just like, hey, we're wrestlers, we meet girls, whatever. Because, hey, you know what? Anything between consensual adults out in the world, cool. You and your you and your missus, you and your missus, their friends, I don't care. But when it starts becoming a workplace pro quo of sex, that's when it turns them an issue. for Because a lot of people who are listening definitely may not, probably don't even know. Um, she was, you know, the, the queen of women's wrestling for decades. And she was also a vile abuser. She would allegedly, for podcast safety, right. allegedly, people have, you know, women have told was she would, in addition to, you know, taking their money and ripping them off, up a lot of women as pretty much setting them up for a sexual harassment or outright assault. You know, women would train, would train under her. If they tried getting out from under her, she would have them blacklisted from the business. And, a lot of times the prettier girls would get the bookings because they were the girls and the promoter that would book, would book them, you know, kind of with the, the understanding that they were going to be doing a little bit of some wrestling, whether they knew that or not when they got in that car that morning. Um, so it's like, there's a, there's a lot of gross sexual harassment, um, you know, assault issues and, you know, the, the, the wrestling thing, that's something that just, was ingrained across the spectrum of sports and show business. And we've seen it being cleaned out in comedy. We've seen that get cleaned out in acting. We see that getting cleaned out in, you know, various sports where like, 
do these things, I'm sorry, we have to expose what a horrible person you are and throw you out. And, you know, it's wrestling's time. And there are lots of people who are bemoaning like wrestling is dead. It's like, oh, this is, you know, there are too many awful people. And yes, there are too many awful people. But, you know, this, this is a time for tumors to be getting scooped out so the patient can, you know, rehab. I, I agree with you 100%. And, I mean, I kind of love that wrestling is carny, like in its heart. But there are elements of, of carnyism that, that you go, okay, no, we, we could do without that right now. Oh, and, yeah. and you're right. I think the reckoning is happening, and ultimately it's for the good. Although I will say it has been a tough, tough year to be a wrestling fan, not just because of all this empty arena shit, but we've got speaking out. We've got people just dying left and right kind of all year. And one that hit me, which is kind of weird now that I think about it, because it was a very particular time in my life. But were you familiar with Chris Hyatt? I don't think I'm, I'm drawing a blank on the face. Okay, so Chris Hyatt was a, a, a writer on the net. He was very, very popular. He wrote the Monday Morning Mop Ups. There we go. Yep. Um, yeah, he had columns like uh, and another thing. He probably about as internet wrestling writing famous as you could get uh, outside of like Dave Meltzer or Wade Keller or something. But he recently died too. And so he was kind of like going through Twitter and answering any question anyone asked. Like he, he decided to take himself off dialysis and it's, there's, there's too much like with everything going on culturally and with this virus, you know, wrestling was always like my escape. And then, so much reality has thrust itself upon what I use as this escape that I go, man, it is like shitty everywhere. And it, it just, it really, really dragged me down. And it, it's been hard to kind of crawl out of because when, when so much of this happens in the things that you love, you go, man, where do I turn now? Like, where do I go? Yeah. That's why I've been doing nothing but reading comic books for the last three months. Uh, <laughs> even though God, start reading old Marvel comics and you just find more problematic things. Yeah. Well, uh, I know you, you have uh, very strong opinions about Stan Lee as well. Oh yeah. No, that, like that was, that was the one where it's like, I started rereading all of uncanny X-Men from issue one. Right. Uh, out of the bat issue one of uncanny X-Men professor Xavier is lamenting that he cannot tell 16 year old Jean gray that he loves her. <laughs> he knows that's a creepy thing to do, but because she would never love a man in a wheelchair. Like, God damn it, Stanley. I know it's the 60s, but... Um, but no, it's... Yeah, like, the timing of it, and I know where you're coming from, because I, I feel the same way, even though thinking it in these terms makes me feel shitty, because I feel like I'm centering it on myself. Oh, agreed. Yeah, it's no. Like, it, like, it, yeah. It's way too solipsistic and myopic. I'm with you. Yeah, exactly, where it's like, God damn it, wrestling, like, we could... But then you're like, no, no, these are bad people being exposed as sexual predators who are... Because, you know, we were, you know, having people getting kicked out for getting, you know, getting thrown out of the business for grooming teenage girls who yeah. are, you know, who, or we have like this you know, endless stories of women who are involved in wrestling, who have faced like the promoters that are just fucking creepy as shit. Um, that's why it's, it's one of those things because, you know, that type of behavior just, oh, I'm a boring old married man. So I don't think, I don't ever think about it in those terms. And then. Like I, I started making a lot more, you know, giving a lot more time at time to women, which then branched off to my other show, Respect Women's Wrestling, right. which is an all women's wrestling. Show. And, you know, and, and where I started realizing, like, when I start flying in more women stars, a lot of them were very standoffish with the time I booked them. And I and I get I never would like put two and two together. I'd just be like, oh, they must have had a long flight. I'll see you know, here's your pay. Right. Go off to the hotel. Somebody will pick you up at five. And, and then like the second time they come back, it's a whole different ball game because they know me now. They know I'm I'm not that. <laughs> and I'm so goddamn clueless on social stuff where I'm like, oh, I wonder why they were uh, so that. Read their you know their stories coming out now. I'm like, oh, I would never trust a strange man either. Yeah, yeah, you've got this wrestling promoter, and you know, like you, you think about going back to Beyond the Mat, you know, what you'd find out later about a guy like Roland Alexander, you go, ugh. And so, like, this is the, the universe they exist in, so they come in, you're just like this, like, as you described, this boring married dude, and they go, oh, he's actually just putting on a wrestling show because he likes wrestling. Wow, this feels odd. And it's almost like I don't know what to do with myself. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's like, 
you know, she put out a public story. So it's like, I don't, I don't mind as uh, like first time I you know booked Jordan Grace. She was very, you know, not interested in friendly hanging out or anything like that. And then second time, a much different person shows. Because yeah. she had some horrifying experiences and you know what? I would like I said, like I said, I wouldn't trust us after, after even hearing those stories, let alone anything that happened in that for me. So that's why I think moving forward, gay men, trans, non-binary performers, and like five straight dudes, and they have to be watched at all time. Right. Like, <laughs> like it's just, it, it's just like you know, like because there are people who are you know being outed as creeps and harassers, and you know it's everything from just inappropriately like making shitty sex comments to a female wrestler you're, when you're a wrestler yourself or yeah. talking about creepy shit. It's like part of professional wrestling is the professional part of it. Mm. So, you know, the whole shitty, like, Oh, it's just, we're just dudes in the locker room talking about shit. It's like, no, that's, that's weird to begin with, let alone if you're doing that with women around. Like, what the hell's wrong with you? Yeah. We're, and that's how they go. We're, and the, and we're past that. Like, yeah, it's like, we should and there be. are people, yeah, exactly. Try, try not to book awful people. Try. Um, yeah, fortunately, you do find things out later. But it's like in my dressing rooms, so that's never a thing because it's just that's not amicable behavior. But yeah, but it's like you're you're getting a lot of dudes who are you know getting exposed. And sometimes it's just them being gross. You know, they're not doing anything criminal. They're just gross. But you know what? That's not cool either. You got to either yeah. apologize and fix your behavior or something else to do on Friday nights. No, agreed. And it's funny. I was going to ask you, like, I imagine because you can draw, you know, 550 people. That's a good house. I mean, like, you can draw that uh, at a show at the Oriental. It's got to be attractive to talent when they find out, like, hey, here in Denver, there's a promotion. And it's a pretty good draw. It's a really good time. It's not typical wrestling neckbeard fans. Are, are there folks where you go, you just don't understand the vibe here? And either they approach you or, you know, you have preliminary conversations and they end up almost weeding themselves out. Like how frequent is that for you? Or do people kind of self-select or does, and like, is there word of mouth with Lucha Libre and laughs among the wrestling community? Get a very good word of mouth about the show. You know, it's like, I mean, get everything. It's like, I, I know that my show gets discussed because of internet and just the international bookings I do. People will talk about it from Tokyo to London. That's, you know, just the stories I hear. And like for the locals and people in Denver, because it's like we're such an isolated city wrestling wise, because there are people where you go, oh, cool. You know, I live in this city and I can do shows in these cities because it's a three hour drive. Yeah. You know, when it's for Denver, the wrestlers like, what is it like 10 hours to uh, Kansas City, something like that. Nine hours. Yeah. Uh, yeah, when there was wrestling in Albuquerque, you know, seven, eight hours in that direction. There's nothing. Jeez. There, there are no big cities a couple hours apart where you can work awesome big cities all the time. So, you know, like in the area, obviously a lot of word of mouth amongst the, the performers. And there have, there, it's been most people in Colorado, very cool people. There's just been a couple who are like wanting to do the show. It just, it just, it just didn't absorb the type of show didn't absorb, but they're like, Oh cool. We'll do this. And then blade. I'm like, no, you're not, we're not doing blood at a goofball show. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And you guys will do like, you'll do some hardcore stuff, but like it, you know, you're not doing like freak show CZW type stuff. Yeah. It's like, well, yeah, it's like the, thing you'll see triple l is somebody getting hit with a chair right it's not you know you don't you don't see the you know nothing broken glassy wrestling whole different thing has its fan base has its place and you know in in wrestling it's just us all having a a silly fun time doesn't match oh well we're gonna hit each other with light tubes yeah it's like i don't like i was i mean personally i hate light tubes i was at um I'm going to sound like a real name-dropping piece of shit here in a second. I was at uh, the GCW show in um, Chicago uh, the you know, weekend of AEW last year. Desperately wanted to watch uh, uh, Gangrel versus Orange Cassidy. Oh, sure. So me and my friends had second row. And they had uh, – it was like – and then Joey Janela comes out. And he's like, all right, we're going to do a ladder match. or And whoever, whoever wins you know, gets a spot at spring break. And at one point, I'm sitting there. And eating my sandwich, and I was already a little mad because I at one point looked down, took a bite of my sandwich, felt something like right past my ear, 
somebody like they gorilla pressed Logan's stunt into the crowd. Oh god! And he, and he his shoe like dragged across my head, and I'm just sitting there like, hell, god damn it! Get <laughs> my fucking sandwich in the and I go all the way. And as I'm because as I'm getting up, I was like gonna move anyway, and then I see somebody grab a bunch of light tubes. And I'm like, I'm fucking out. I'm not. Yeah. Second row, while a bunch of light tubes were getting involved, so I went to the back and I was hang- and I was like, it was funny because I was sitting there. Uh, me and Ron Funches were talking about how we don't like light tubes. You know, it's just it's too dangerous for everyone. Yeah, that's very sharp glass, and the stuff inside of it kind of bad for you. Uh, <laughs> a bit. And, and then that was the match where uh, G Raver fell off of uh, uh, the ladder wrong. The light tubes broke at an angle cut him on the inside of his arm like like the blood spray we're not talking like oh he's bleeding it's like the you can see it pumping out with his heartbeat oh god he, he went into shock they had to call an ambulance um he had to have surgery because i mean it cut through a nerve and an artery oh. and it was just like oh well and then they cleaned all that up they had like then they had some way i think it was like a lucha tag but then the main event it was nick gage versus effie Okay. And, and they come out with a big thing of light tubes. I'm like, guys, that's come on. Like just, we just saw what we saw. No, like as you could, t- <laughs> you could feel the air suck out of the room. Big thing of light tubes, and we just saw somebody. It's it was like like the mangle of, like, themselves. Blood, yeah, sort of like blood loss. We were like, I, does anybody know if he's okay? Like legit. Like did he die? That was a lot of blood. And then they come out with more light tubes. I'm like, oh no! Like, though you just felt the the enthusiasm zap for a bit because it's like, oh no, okay with this. In fact, like me and my friends left. We didn't even watch that match. No, I, I wouldn't either. <clears throat> yeah, I'm I'm not. I hadn't singled out light tubes specifically, but in general, I'm not a fan of like the Joey Janela kind of garbage match. You know, like that. That's a whole genre of freak show match that I'm just not really into. Like I. Years ago, I saw the Terry Funk versus, you know, Cactus Jack, the the famous one, the exploding C4 match. And I'm watching it, you know, because I, I'm this wrestling fan and I just I can't consume enough product. And I, I watch that match. I go, you know, I'm good. Like with with all this barbed wire and C4 and, you know, when like when you get tax involved and stuff, I'm like, mm, no, it's just, just that's not what I'm looking for out of my wrestling experience. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not the biggest fan. It's one of those things where I understand there are people who like it, and that's their thing. And cool. Not everything's for. There are people who legitimately think you know comedy wrestling is the worst thing in the world. Fine. That's the wonderful thing with wrestling is there's different flavors for everyone. There's it's yeah. you know it's it's like uh, I remember Colt uh, about how you know people you know came up to him at the Oriental and was like we have you know we we didn't think we didn't think we liked wrestling until tonight. <laughs> yeah, because you you're used to either the you know the big WWE arena product, and then when you change it to this little intimate you know ball uh, type of situation, that's a whole different ball game. And then, like I said, so it's different flavors, and I guess we'll just call like deathmatch wrestling the wrestling is the flavor where it's like, oh, that's got scorp you know scorpion death peppers in there. Yeah, I have to try that. So, yeah, uh, it's, it's it's there. It's more extreme, but you know what? Everybody's doing it. For love of the game, everybody's consenting to it. You know, that's it's it, it is what it is. I, I refereed um, a couple matches like that when I was a referee. I, I never felt comfortable. I remember one time they were doing the you know the big slam onto a pile of thumbtacks, mm-hmm. and I thumbtacks. I dove in to count that uh, pin like I normally would, and just slid in on my right shin and just like, bing 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 as like thirty thumbtacks. Just uh, jabbed into me. I had to, like I counted it with the back, and I had to grab the cuff of my pant leg and just pull it shot out. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> I know. And I was like, I don't think I'm doing these ones anymore. Yeah, probably not. Uh, I remember watching the wrestler the first time with Mickey Rourke, and I had never seen the Necro Butcher fight. And you know, he's he's talking to to Randy the Ram backstage. And, you know, like, I, I, my knees aren't so good. I don't want to run the ropes. I, and I'm going, this is what's killing your body. It's, it's not stapling dollar bills onto your eyes. You know, it's not, uh, it's, it's running the ropes and taking back bumps. Uh, this is the strangest business on earth. Oh, yeah. Well, it's like all the deathmatch stuff. 
as you know a visceral experience as it is that's all you know superficial cutting it's gross but yeah. it doesn't really do that much damage outside <laughs> makes your forehead look horrible yeah if you uh, if you look at a photo of dusty Rhodes or abdullah the butcher or something you go or carlos cologne is another one whose forehead is just disgusting and you go ugh Okay, but you're right. Yeah, there's. I mean, that's your skin. Your skin will be fine. That's not going to be life threatening. You know, unless unless you're maybe doing a death match during uh, COVID here. Yeah, it's you know, it's like I said, as long as it's done safe, as long as it's done sanitary. Yeah, it's you know, it's it's not that dangerous. That's why you see like these death match guys keep doing things like into their fifties. <laughs> um, you know, aside from the aesthetic, it's you know, in a way safer than. You know the the big crazy in a much different way, yeah. Um, yeah. And I, you know, I heard Adam Cole one time say, uh, like his first big matches in NXT were all like cage matches or like extreme matches against Aleister Black or whatever. And he's like, you know, people are like, those are really career shorteners, you know, ladder matches, things like that. He goes, what about those? 30 minute just death slogs I was having to do in Ring of Honor, like of just nothing but chain wrestling, where I felt like my heart was going to explode. Wrestling, there, there's no such thing as like wrestling that's easy on the body. You know? No, um, unless you're like Jerry Lawler working a foreign object that isn't there for 10 minutes and getting nuclear heat for it. Jerry Lawler, uh, yeah. I mean, do we really call uh, his high school girlfriends uh, foreign objects? Uh, <laughs> another notorious creep. Uh, yeah, I, and I'm speaking strictly about his performance inside the ring right now. Oh, yeah. Uh, but I mean, he, he was able to work that style into his sixties. Oh yeah. I saw him once again, that GCW show, uh, where, uh, Cassidy and, um, uh, Gangrel went at it. Uh, they had Jerry Lawler versus a uh, Mance Warner on there. Wow. And, you know, Jerry, and they, you know, they did a match that was, you know, 99% just being a couple of goofballs, uh, Mance getting chased around the ring. Uh, and then uh, a scoop slam onto a folding table or so, or something like that, and that was it. It was like it was like the least physical thing you could possibly do for ten minutes in a wrestling ring, but it worked. Well, I, I mean, mean granted, I granted a lot of the uh, the crowd engaged was mostly everybody loves Mance Warner, everybody fucking hates Jerry Lawler. <laughs> right. Well, it it reminds me of when I go down uh, YouTube rabbit holes of Orange Cassidy matches, where yeah. I'm, I'm like, he is able to do so much with so little. And it's genius level stuff. Like I saw him fight Colt Cabana in uh, where was that Austin? I want to say or no, I can't remember. It was in the back of like a sandwich shop, and I can't remember which promotion it is right now. But I also saw one where, and I'm I'm trying to remember. It's a guy with a goofy mask, and at one point Orange Cassidy actually puts him to sleep in the ring, um, or maybe vice versa. You're thinking it was a match where it was during King of Trios where. Uh, with a uh, gentleman Jervis, uh, Jervis yes, Mandelli. gentleman Jervis, up and rocked him to sleep. Yes, yeah. down and covers him, and the ref slowly, yeah, does, you know, try not to wake him up. Yeah, very quietly counting the three, and you know, it it really speaks to Colt Cabana's comment. On one hand, you've got this deathmatch stuff. On this other hand, you've got Orange Cassidy versus gentleman Jervis, and like those are two very different things. And there's an argument that I think the people who hate either type of match would make that either one is killing the business. Oh yeah. That's it. That's everybody's go to insults for, you know, it's, it's like they try to create, it's, it's like anything. It's like, that's not real punk rock. That's not yeah. real green chili. I mean, look at how people fight about green chili. Like <laughs> you put me in that, it's not real green chili. Does it taste good? It's, put it, put it on some food and eat it. Like give me exactly. a break. Like New York pizza is the best. I'm like, I've had like three bad pizzas in my life of different types. You know, that's it's totally. This, we'll put pepperoni in my belly. Let's fucking do this. Yeah, let's absolutely and, do and, it. And that's just how you know wrestling is looking at anything. That's not. That's not the. It's the one true Scotsman fallacy. Where it's like <laughs> where it's like it's like no, there's 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 wrestling for everybody, and then you get the nerds who think that everything that they don't like is not real wrestling. Right, and I, I can tell you, for very different reasons, two of my favorite matches I've ever seen live. One was Tommaso Ciampa versus Velveteen Dream at NXT TakeOver War Games in L.A. I was in the crowd for that, and the crowd was nuclear, and like we were convinced Velveteen was winning. Amazing story. Another time, I was at a house show in like 2013 or 2014. 2013, I want to say. 
the opening match was Fandango versus Santino Morella. And those, <laughs> those two were the opening match, and the match was hilarious and so entertaining. I still think about it today. I'm like, that was some of the most fun I've had in a ring, in a ring, like I was actually in the ring. But watching two guys in a ring, and, you know, like, it, it wasn't what I would typically think of as my favorite type of match. So, Yeah, well, it's, it's one of those things where wrestling could be anything so long as it's done well, I guess is the way to put it. Where you can see people who cannot do comedy, do a comedy match. It's gonna be the worst goddamn thing you've ever seen. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. And then you have, you know, guys like Orange Cassidy and Kikataro and yeah. you know, Colt Cabana, who have the comedy. I mean, they're like if they were, they'd be comedy superstars, right? Um, but at the same time, Orange Cassidy and Kikataro encyclopedic knowledge of wrestling, amazing ability, like, like everybody, you know, it's fence, but like when people talk about like, Oh, you know, orange casting, I'm like, cool. Let me see you do a kip up and, uh, and, and an outside dive with your hands in your, yeah. With your hands in your goddamn pockets, <laughs> you know, or same thing. And like Colt Cabana can put on a comedy minute wrestling masterpiece, but you know what? He knows how to make it more memorable. Silly goose. Totally. All right. Okay. I think we need to wrap up because we've actually gone like an hour. Uh, we've done a Broadway here, Nick. Uh, <laughs> but and, uh, and like with most Broadways, anybody listen to this? None of them went. <laughs> yeah, Broadways. I, I remember uh, a lot of people love that Brett Sean WrestleMania 12 match. I am not among them. That's just my personal taste. But um, <laughs> I, I, I like I like a conclusion. Uh, as do I. Conclusions are important. Now we do plugs. Where can people find you? Find Lucha Libre and Laughs. Where are, I don't know if tickets will be available by the time this episode goes up. Uh, we're recording this on the 24th, and it's going up on the 1st. So, you know what? Plug whatever, and if it's sold out, it's sold out, and you missed it. Yeah, um, because there are, there are some possibilities. Like I said, I, I don't have a crystal ball. If it does sell out, we might add a third show on Saturday. There's also a possibility that... If things go well in Denver and in Colorado, we'll be able to expand it to like 75 tickets by then. So there's a lot of little possibilities for how this will go. Tickets, theorientaltheater.com, T-H-E, theorientaltheater.com. You can see all the cool events we've got going on. Uh, Lucha Libre and Laughs on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, youtube.com slash Lucha Libre Laughs. I have been doing, during all this time off, I've been doing nothing but editing and uploading videos. I have edited and posted the length equivalent of the Lord of the Rings extended cut trilogy in matches. Oh my. So there's a lot of content there. And I mean, I'm talking a lot of content there. And then, uh, you know, the other wrestling project um, that I run, Respect Women's Wrestling, All Women's Wrestling Show, Respect Women's Wrestling on Facebook, Insta, Twitter, the usual. We also have a lot of content on uh, our YouTube. I'm putting up more. We just posted Heidi Howitzer versus Priscilla Kelly last night. Uh, got some great stuff coming up there. So, yeah, whether you're at home watching it on YouTube or if you want to come out and watch shows, we're starting to be able to do it again. So, hey, let's party. Awesome. <clears throat> well, Nick, I'll tell you what. Uh, I love it when you pop into my Facebook Messenger and give me some amusing, an amusing anecdote about uh, about some time you've had with some wrestlers. <laughs> uh, those are great. But uh, a real treat for me also getting to share this with you. Uh, I, I love connecting with uh, fellow wrestling nerds, especially ones who are doing it right and creating great content, creating a fantastic show, and doing fabulous work. So, Nick, it's a real pleasure to get to be with you, and I wish you continued success. Thank you so much, and I guess I'll see you on the uh, 17th. I'll be there on the 17th. Alright, see you then. And that wraps up episode 256 of the John of All Trades podcast with Nick Gossert of Lucha Libre and Laughs and Respect Women's Wrestling. Get over to the blog johnofalltrades.us and check out all those links. Go to theorientaltheater.com pick up some tickets and get to one of the funnest shows you possibly can here in Denver. You owe it to yourself. I adore Nick. I adore his product. Support local comedy, local shows, local venues wherever you can. John of All Trades podcast is produced by Deft Communications. Check out Deft on the web, D-E-F-T-C-O-M.us. I think I mentioned that in the top of the show. Here it is again. Our sponsor is 4Degrees, the number 4, D-E-G-R-E dot E-S. 
anything you're doing online, whether you're building a website, promoting a product, promoting a candidate, promoting a service, whatever you're doing virtually, which is probably everything right now, 4Degrees can help you do it better. They will get your message on the platforms it needs to be, so the people who need to see it, see it, and see it clearly. The number 4, D-E-G-R-E dot E-S. Check me out on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, Pinterest, and Instagram. The handle is J-O-A-T-Pod. Facebook is the only place for exclusive episode previews. Those go up on Mondays. Sometimes I'll share with you other podcasts I'm listening to, so check it out there. If you're listening on iTunes, Stitcher, or any other podcatcher, please take some time, leave us a rating, leave us a review, hit that subscribe button, get brand new episodes delivered to you each Wednesday. I'm back here next week, and the week after, and the week after. I got a string of great shows coming up. Sorry I missed the last two weeks. Stay safe, stay sane, stay healthy, wash your hands, wear your damn mask, until I hear you again, say goodnight, Gracie. That's good, Johnny.